0: Welcome to Have Hopeful Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson, and today I'm here with my new friend, Joy Vetterlein. I met Joy on Instagram, and I'm so excited to get to hear a little bit more about her heart because getting to know her has been such a joy and so much fun because Joy is a Christian misfit, and that resonates with me on a huge level. So, Joy, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks, Katie. I'm so glad to be here. I am so glad you're here as well. Let's start with what even is a Christian misfit? Okay,
1: so a Christian misfit, the official definition that I have completely made up, um is somebody who loves Jesus but for whatever reason does not uh fit into church or who may um struggle to connect even with Christianity as a whole. Um That can be for a ton of different reasons, but I find that when I describe that, usually people self-identify and say, oh my gosh, that's totally me. And I'm like, yeah, I know. There's a lot of us. Isn't that crazy? We think we're the only ones, but there's actually like
0: so many of us feeling this way. That was so encouraging for me when I found you on Instagram because I was like, oh my gosh, someone else who gets me. (laughs) I, well, I know. And I think, it was, it surprised me <laughs> when I
1: started, um, you know, sharing my words and putting it out there, just kind of on like a, well, I don't know if anybody's out there, but even if there's like two people, that's great. And there were two, and then there was a few more. And it's like, wow, all this time, my people have been out there, and we just needed to find each other. And, yeah, it's like one of those things that, um, like, God bless the internet and social media because it's been one of those things that those of us who can't like su- who aren't super successful at meeting our people in real life have a lot more success on the internet and I'm so grateful for it right
0: we will talk towards the end of how we can connect with you and other misfits online so we will get there um what is your relationship with church look like in light of being a misfit well that's
1: a good question i think um so my history with the church um i mean i feel like my personal history and my history with the church are like one and the same so um when i was well when i was born my dad was in seminary training to be a pastor and so when i was five he got a job as a pastor at a small church in a small town in alaska So we moved to Alaska, and that was my, like, whole childhood, um, was, like, being a pastor's kid and running around the church after when nobody was there, because we, you know, we, like, lived right next to the church, um, helping my dad, you know, pick the songs and stuff the bulletins, and um, that was just, it was just a huge part of my life, and, you know, I knew all the, we had hymnals, and I would just, like, sing all the little songs, and, listen to my voice, reflect back off of the words. But yeah, I just grew up all around the church. Um, when I was 14, we left, my dad left that job, and we left Alaska and moved um, to Washington State. And he didn't work at a church anymore, but we still were part of a church, and I was part of my youth group, and I would volunteer. Um, we went from a conservative um, Bible church to a more, uh, Pentecostal sort of loosely affiliated with Assemblies of God. So it was kind of a switch there. And I am now grateful that I got the experience of the two different cultures. And then I went to Bible college for four years. And then right after that, I got a job working for a mega church in Southern California. And so I worked there for nine years putting on, um, worship services. So like, I've either been like, related to someone working for the church or working for the church myself for all but like five years of my life. (laughs) It's a huge part of who I am. Um, But most recently, I was a um, pastor of worship arts and communications at a church, and we had some restructuring stuff, and um, I ended up losing that job, and it was really, really devastating. And upon reflection, it was also, um, the season I was there was also a really difficult season of my life. I had just had my second baby and he didn't sleep through the night for a year and a half. So I was trying to like, I was like working full time with two kids and one wasn't sleeping through the night. And I was had never been in ministry. I'd never been in that level of leadership And I kind of found that, like, I'm not great at it. (laughs) I don't really like leading at that level necessarily. Um, And was uh, informed of that by several people in my circle as well. This was not necessarily my gifting. Um, So it was just a really difficult, difficult season. And when that job ended... um, it was, like, the full weight of that, all of the stress and the tension and, and some dysfunction and the um, the culture there just, you know, it just hit me. And so I think the last couple years I have just been, um, yeah, trying to figure out that question, like, what do I do with this institution? Because that, that was the most traumatic and the most recent, but it definitely wasn't the first time that I've been, like, really, really hurt by the church. And so... That's sort of even where I where this thought of Christian misfit like originated because I didn't know it. I had these two opposing things. On one hand, I loved the church because it had drawn me closer to God and I loved thinking deeply about God and, and questioning things and um the art of it. I loved having a place to like share art and minister to people. But then the people of the church. I felt so disconnected and so hurt from. And I didn't know, I say it it this way, like my faith was at odds with my faith community. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to reconcile that. And so that was where this sort of uh, term, Christian misfit was born because I needed something to help me identify who I was. This is a really long way to answer your question. But my relationship with the church is one of... Great love, but also realizing that along with love comes the desire to um, correct, like to course correct and to refine and to call out things that I see are broken. And the more I meet other Christian misfits and hear their stories of being hurt by the church, the more angry I get and the more fired up I get to say, someone has to say something and even if you don't listen to me I'm gonna say it because this stuff that's happening is it's just unacceptable and it's not who we are and the number of people that that's all they're seeing of who God is Mm. it's just that that breaks my heart um so yeah, right now uh, we are not part of a community. We, um, especially, I mean, over COVID, it was like we were kind of we were kind of about to leave our church, and um, for for a number of reasons. But um, then, like COVID happened, and now it's kind of been, well, what's the point? And now we're discovering the amazingness that is having Sunday as a Sabbath day, like mm-hmm. a true Sabbath day and not yeah. like a hustle and get everybody out the door and go to church and do the whole mm-hmm. thing. We're like, wow. So now we have screen free Sundays and we go to the park and we just sit and play and we get to sleep in. And I'm like, wow, this is so spiritual. This right? <laughs> rest. So yeah, I don't know what my relationship with church will look like. It's after this, but right now it's sort of, complicated but fine with that being complicated
0: I heard a pastor once say that for the I think he referred to us as the good engaged churchgoers Sunday is not a Sabbath and I was like oh yeah that's true because at the time I was going to Sunday service and then we had adult Sunday school and then I had brunch with that with family that I loved and then I led a Sunday night small group and I was like there's no time to rest in here so it was, it was a mindset shift when I heard him say that. I was like, oh, I need to make something else a Sabbath.
1: Yeah, I mean, I worked in church for
0: forever and it was always a
1: work day. So maybe that's why I'm extra like,
0: what? I can
1: need sleep that in on Sunday? Mm-hmm. two days in a row? I'm not waking up? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. I get that. With Have Hope Will Travel, we've been talking a lot about healing this fall. Um, we've talked about physical healing. We've talked about emotional healing. We're going to talk about spiritual healing. And I don't know if healing is quite the right word to use when we're talking about misfits. And I would love your input on that. But what does it look like to heal from such a hard brokenness of a church experience going sour? Because, frankly, I think church wounds are the worst wounds. Because not only is it like a church community, it's your people and it's God. And so what does that look like? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think you're right. It's it's very messy.
1: And um, it can be very complicated and painful to untangle all those things. I mean, for me, it's definitely been healing because it was, it's definitely been a hurt. And I, and I will say that um, for a lot of misfits, you don't come to feel like you don't fit in without some sort of experience of pain. Like there's some there's something that's like you get rejected or you get ignored or you get you don't get included or you're surrounded by a bunch of clicks or people look at you weird and shy away. Like there's something there that you notice enough to say, oh, there's a norm and I'm not in it and I don't fit in. And I think just as humans, that that experience is fraught with pain because we do just want to be loved and accepted and known for who we are. Yeah, I don't know that everybody like stays there. I think just if you identify with that statement, I would, I don't want to say for for sure anything, but I would guess that there's been some pain there. I know for me, even just trying to recover from this one um, situation of, of losing this job, I mean, there was so much wrapped up into that. There was, I mean, I had so much identity tied up as um, being a pastor. I had, this was this was also like a career achievement for me. You know, I had been working up to this and I had been given this promotion and then I lost it. At the same time, my family was incredibly connected to this church. You know, my husband still meets with his small group friends from that church. My children went to preschool there. Like that was, that was how we were getting by. And so in one afternoon, to lose not just my job, but to lose my job, my calling, my, and our, in my entire family's community, it was a lot. And, um, we actually, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but we tried like to switch to just attending the church later. And, um, I would just, uh, walk in and just feel like, just hit a wall of anxiety and, um, You know, and uh, unpacking it with my spiritual director, she just reminded me that whenever you feel like when situations are complicated like this, you can feel it all as like one thing, but it's actually several different things. So, whenever I'm talking to people who are like trying to unpack what their feelings are, trying to unpack their feelings of pain in regards to church. Um, one of the first things that I will suggest they do is to try to like separate all those like Mm. was there a particular is there a particular person at your church that you had a situation with that was really painful that's one thing to deal with Um, if there's a ministry you are a part of that didn't go well and you were really disappointed in it like that's another thing that's like another separate thing to deal with Um, there might be like 29 different people that you have issues with um but as you kind of tackle them one at a time I think that you can start that's when you can kind of start to make progress but yeah it's and honestly one of those ones is definitely god how could you let this happen to me I thought they were your people they're for I mean there are so many misfits who the reason that they are misfits is because they just cannot get on board with the theology they're learning or for many people um the way that church has become synonymous with um a particularly like republican conservative type of um, politics that they just don't agree with and they walk into a room and everyone assumes if you're there you're voting the same way and so they just like to speak up and to be themselves would have such high relational cost, um, mm-hmm. but to not be themselves has great personal cost. So that's where the tension comes of um, being the misfit. So yeah, it is very messy and the biggest thing, like the most simple thing I can tell people is just that they have permission mm. to take space to take the time they need. I mean, like <laughs> truly, like you're not going to get zapped if you don't go to church on a Sunday. Or if you don't go to church for like a year or two, if you need the space just to untangle that all, you can be traumatized at church. And so Mm -hmm. if you keep going back and you keep getting triggered, your brain and body are actually saying like, these are the things that happened last time you were hurt. And now you're experiencing them again and you need to run away. Like you are actually putting your body. I'm not, I'm no therapist. I don't know how the psychology, but I know enough. And I've experienced enough to say like, yeah, there's actually like brain chemistry at play mm-hmm. if you've been traumatized at church and you keep going because somebody on stage is telling you that you have to go to church to love Jesus. I think that's happening for way more people than are even realized that's happening. And I think that there's been a lot of shame built in around attendance and I can go off on... Um, churches and why they track attendance and the types of like data they're actually tracking from all the people who attend to try to like, you know, they want they want numbers um, mm-hmm. to to track their own engagement and there's all kinds of crazy things they do but um, but yeah there's there's a lot of messaging around come every week come every week come and bring your friends because they equate attendance with discipleship because mm-hmm. attendance is a number you can track you can't track spiritual growth except through interpersonal story and connection so I think that there's a lot of messaging around that and so a lot of people are hearing that and they feel a lot of guilt and shame about not going to church um, or not being in a life group or not being in a um, ministry or not giving up their two weeks of vacation to go on a mission trip mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of like a lot of things that we're put upon, encouraged to do, but encouraged in a way that there's, there's not a lot of options to not, and also be good. And um yeah, I, so that's sort of my mission is just to be like, let me be a voice for the other side. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't have to be out of your house four nights a week to be a good Christian. Not everybody's wired that way. If that is you like, God bless you. But if you yeah. can't do that, if that's not who you are, if that's not who you're wired to be, like, that is not a message of the Bible. That is a message of evangelical mainline Christianity that is very extroverted and very achievement-oriented. Like, that's not who all of us are, and I'll just give that permission
0: to anybody who needs to hear this. And permission say, received. Thank you. <laughs> that is not what you have to do. So what encouragement would you have for someone who feels like they're expected to be in church four nights a week?
1: Well, I think that... Um, I think I would just tell them to take a little time to process where that, where that should is coming from. It should in quotes. Um, where is that coming from within you? Is there, um, what training did you hear earlier in your life? Like, can you unpack that a little bit? Like, do you hear a particular professor from your Bible college or do you hear a particular youth pastor or pastor saying that um how old were you when you internalized those kinds of messages that told you that you have to do all these things and you know how can you sort of you know what does now you see about that situation and and what advice like do you have for yourself for that self that internalized that message that's like a another therapy Mm -hmm. concept of reparenting, which um, has been helpful to me. God has been around for a long time and he worked with people who thought it was okay to have multiple wives and have other idols as long as they worshiped God the most. And um, I don't know if you just look at like the, the assumption of beliefs that were there in the Bible and how God worked with them, God can deal with a lot of different things. He's not so connected to maybe our particular view of how to, to how to do church as we think. Um, so I just would encourage people to give themselves the kind of grace that we talk about. In church, Mm -hmm. like the kind of grace that we say God gives us and that we see him give to others and that we want other people to give to us. Like we can give that to ourselves as well and see that taking care of my soul is also a kind of worship. Healing is also a kind of worship because I am if I'm going to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind and strength and my heart is broken and I can't access my Mm -hmm. soul because I've been traumatized. And I'm, like, sapped of strength because I've just been so hurt and confused. Like, that is part of worshiping and following Jesus is taking care of this person that I am. If I really believe I'm made in the image of God, then I have permission to honor that and take care of who I am. And it's okay if that doesn't fit in the, you know four-point plan for good Christians that your church puts in their annual summary brochure that they
0: hand out, <laughs> you know? That's so good. That's so good. So it's December right now, and we're headed into Christmas. What does the Advent season look like for a Christian misfit?
1: Well, I think that there are a couple things that I, that I know I sort of like, uh, cringe um dread and I suspect I'm not the only one um I think for when I mean I feel there there are definitely some Christian misfit extroverts I have met a lot who are introverts so I think there's just this social aspect of the Christmas season that's like exhausting before you even get there um and just the thought of having to like go to the mall with 900 million other people well not that we're doing that this year well (laughs) we are we shouldn't be I guess but um yeah, there's, like, the social aspect, but then, well, and there's also the family aspect, where many of us feel like misfits in our own families. And so there's the anxiety of, like, all of that being, like, re-triggered around, well, I'm going to be with my family, the people who really should understand me the most, but who understand me the least. And uh, so I think, yeah, the family, the socializing So yeah, one, there's the family, two, there's the socializing, but then three, I think that there is just around the whole Christian expression of Christmas. Um, I think people are, I think misfits are tired of hearing the Christmas story told the same way, the same time, same, like every year told the same way, um, Feeling the, the tension between the practice of our culture's winter festivities and celebrations, and then you have also this spiritual advent season. Um, and I think we hear a lot like, keep Christ in Christmas. And that's like a real strong, like, we need, like, don't let the commercialism win. I disagree with that because I think if you look at the history of Christmas I think that we're the ones who kind of like smashed Jesus into Christmas in the first place so if like if if they don't seem to go together and we're trying to keep him in there like maybe he's actually trying to like maybe we should like set him free (laughs) (laughs) and in my mind it's like no it's like I think we're celebrating two things at the same time and I have like I can handle that so I like enjoy decorating my tree and getting presents and stuff. And then I also enjoy thinking about Jesus in the incarnation, but just this, I think this like tension between like, okay, yes, I love Jesus. I want to talk about the incarnation, but I'm really tired of Christians and churches making me feel bad about Mm -hmm. wanting to enjoy the like cultural things that are actually pretty fun and great. I'm tired of feeling guilty for enjoying those. And not exclusively focusing on Jesus. I think a lot of us end up, end up doing that anyways. But I just think we Wait, can just be okay. we throwing shame?
0: That was naughty. You know,
1: a few, I think. <laughs> it's so bad, yeah. But no, I've been thinking about that a lot this year. Like, We can't just do them both. Don't keep Christ in
0: Christmas Christmas. Set him free. Just let I him love that. Him do something. I absolutely love that. Um, y'all listening to the podcast can't see the video. I was basically dancing for joy when Joy said that. <laughs> I got to see it. She got I to see it. it. So what does it look like? I mean, you mentioned reading the Christmas story again and hearing it told in the same way. Do you have a different way? Please teach me.
1: Okay, yeah, this has actually been really exciting. Um, I when I started identifying as a misfit and realizing that there was something there here that that I wasn't just crazy that I wasn't just that there wasn't just something wrong with me that I couldn't um, that no matter how much I tried, I just couldn't fit in with any church I've been a part of in all of my 30 whatever years that there was really something in the church that. I hadn't been able to connect with. And so as I started identifying as a misfit, I started suspecting that Jesus himself was a misfit. And so I went back to the gospels, um, worked through some baggage I had around my own personal Bible study. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I started rereading the gospels and I did it with sort of um, like a lens to look at it through the eyes of like, well, let me look at this through this misfit lens. And, um, I had always, I've always been in the church, but I've never liked the nativity, like as a visual. I've never liked nativity sets. I've always like, I think it's just been like a familiarity breeds contempt thing for me that it was like, okay, let's do all this fun Christmas. But now we have to talk about Joseph and Mary and tell the same story every year the same way. And I was like, oh man, like the fun's over. Now we have to talk about Jesus. And so I, I and then and then, as an adult, I started really feeling like the nativity scene as a visual had really come to represent like to the to the rest of the culture, like the nativity scene, had come to represent like a kind of, um uh, aggressive, is that the word I'm thinking of? But just like an aggressive form of like, um, I think it's like virtue signaling like here's my nativity set, like, keep Christ in Christmas. You all are trying to take Jesus out of Christmas, but, you know, he needs to be here, and and you're going to know I love Jesus because you see the nativity set on my lawn. And I just really had a problem with people wanting to have the nativity set to show that we believe in Jesus because, like, the nativity set – isn't the visual of who Jesus is like we are the visual of who Jesus is in the world. And so, um, yeah, so I, I had, I've just never liked it. And as I started reading the gospels again, you know, when you start reading the gospels from the beginning, you quickly find yourself in the Christmas story. And so as I was looking at it again, I was like, okay, roll my eyes. Let me skip past these part. And then I caught myself and I was like, well, no, like the whole point is for me to try to read these again with a different way of thinking. So I just, I let my imagination come into play a little more and like, just like sat with each of the stories, even with the genealogies. And as I did, I was really struck by, um, the stories of the people who were involved in Jesus's birth, um, and one after another, I was like, oh my gosh, every single one of these people is a misfit. They're, they, they're either a misfit when they enter the story or they're a misfit by the time the story's over. <laughs> <laughs> That's legit. And, um, and I, I realized that for all the times that I resented how a nativity scene kind of reduced the story of Christmas to a one-sided picture. I myself had reduced Mm. these characters to sort of one-sided, uninteresting people. And, um, As a misfit, that's like the cardinal sin. I'm like, I know I've been misunderstood and people look at me and hear something weird I say or something awkward that I do and they write me off as a person and I've been writing off the people of the nativity. Mm -hmm. Like, dang it. So I started, um, so yeah, I actually have written a, it's a little ebook that I have available. Um, It's called Misfits Around the Manger. And it's just sort of reacquainting ourselves with these people whose stories have become so familiar that we have started to resent them. And it's sort of trying to reintroduce ourselves to them and and finding common ground um, with the people of the the nativity, um, particularly as people who are misfits. So I'm really excited about it. I hope that it can be helpful.
0: Two other misfits I am sure that it is when you started talking about the nativity scene I love nativity scenes like that's what I collect when I travel so I was like oh don't ruin them don't ruin them don't ruin them don't ruin them (laughs) and then you didn't and so I'm really excited to read misfits around the manger because I was like yes these are already my favorite things but then when you were talking about like reading scripture the same story year after year that resonates with me and the podcast friends already know this. I have been eating up the Passion Translation because it's the same story told in a fresh way. Oh, I, don't, I haven't actually read that one. Um, it's available online. It's only the New Testament right now, which makes me sad because I'm ready to read the Old Testament. But like my brain goes in autopilot on certain scriptures. And this makes me pause and like back up and go, oh, wait, that's different than I've ever heard it before. And it makes so much sense to me now in a whole new way. So the passion translation is I am eating it up. Yeah, I'll have to check that out.
1: Hopefully when I read it it's not like, oh here's everything I came up with. <laughs> so I'm
0: sure it's not. I'm sure it's, it's fine. Not. It's my writer insecurity. It's fine. I'm fine. You're a great writer. So if someone has graciously listened to us this far and goes, I don't relate to this at all, but yeah. I'm confident there are misfits in my life. How do they love them well? First of all, how did they manage to get through this many years of church (laughs) unscathed, but how do they love misfits well if they are not one of us?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I do believe that on some level, like, everybody is a misfit and everybody probably has something that they feel like, oh, they maybe don't know me as well as they think they do. And that was a huge learning for me as a misfit, by the way, to realize that, like, even though I think everybody else is normal, um they're not all that way. I was (laughs) quick story. When I started writing about being a misfit, um, I had people in mind that were like the normal Christians. And I was like the awkward Christian. And I would like share about my experience. And, and I had a couple people come up to me and say, Oh my goodness, joy. Like I really, and kind of under their breath, like Mm. come up to me on the side, like joy, like, thank you so much for your writing. Like I, I I feel like I'm a misfit too. And I was like, (laughs) you? Like you were in my mind the person that I was like thinking, oh, I'm not Mm -hmm. like her. I'm not connected like her. So I think everybody has a little bit of misfit. But I think some people, for whatever reason, like the structure of the church works really well for them. And I I don't resent them for that. I am thrilled Mm -hmm. that they have found a a way for their faith to flourish. Um, I would encourage people to keep an eye out for the misfits because one of the most painful things about being a misfit is that you're overlooked and a lot of times you're overlooked because maybe you're awkward or you maybe don't quite always say the right thing in the right time. And I have found, um, it's so healing when people are gracious to me or when I look back and I think, Oh wow, I really screwed that situation up. But that person didn't let it affect how they interacted with me and loved me and the the love I feel in that moment. So I would say if you are, if you don't identify with the label, the next time you're in like a small group or a Bible study or a conversation and somebody says something that's like a little weird and a little off, or maybe they talk a little bit too long, or maybe they share something that in your mind isn't something that like you totally share. Um, I think there, I mean, I will say, I think there are like boundaries and you don't need to like enable toxic people and all that. But if you have the chance to just listen and honor everyone, no matter how strange they are, like honor them as people and, and listen actively and affirm the words they're saying, even if you don't agree, or if you think it's strange, that is such a kind thing to do. And that's, that lets, everybody know that it really is safe for them to belong there. And then you can grow together. Um, I also, I actually also think that misfits can be some of the biggest healers in the church Mm -hmm. because we have experienced the pain. Um, But I think that because of that, we know how to do the same. And if we can flip it to where I'm walking into a room and I'm not, maybe not looking for everybody to, affirm what's unique in me, if I'm in a healthy spot, I now have found how to do that for myself. One practice that I really encourage everyone, especially misfits in the process of healing, but I would say this for everyone else too, just when you're in a situation with people to look around and look for one thing that you can admire and appreciate about every person
0: Mm.
1: in the room. Um, And if you have a chance, like speak it out loud and affirm them. And I found that for myself, that's one of the best ways to combat when I feel like uh, like I'm having like an attack of misfitness and insecurity when I'm in a room and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't belong here. <laughs> I will force myself to look for what's special in everybody there and then speak it out. And that then ends up doing something in me because then I realize they're not special and I'm not, or I'm not special and they're not, whatever mm-hmm. way it is. Okay, like we are all uniquely made and uniquely valuable and I can be a part of affirming that in other people which is good for me as well
0: yeah that's so good joy this is blessing me so hardcore um I thank always you. say that I consider yeah. content good when I have to go sit with Jesus and process it a little bit and I <laughs> have been making notes that I need to go talk to Jesus about so thank you for that
1: well, thank you for having me. I love getting to talk about this. And I love getting to meet new people, too. I mean, what, you get, what you're what you doing in your podcast is so good, too. So, um, yeah, it's, like, just fun for me to get to geek out about this weird little niche that I have <laughs> created in the church. It <laughs> she said, there's some people out here that were kind of weird, but there's a lot of us. And I think yeah. if we find each other, we might
0: be, like, kind of strong and mighty. <laughs> We definitely are. And speaking of finding each other, where can we find you online? Yes. Okay. So I have a website,
1: joyvetterline.com, and you can also find me on Instagram at Um, I'm on kind of on Twitter and Facebook, not so much, but again, same thing, just my name. There's not a lot of joybetterlines in the world, so I kind of <laughs> got the, uh, the corner on that on all my... That's lucky. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where awesome. you can find me. And I I love um, – I also do a weekly Sunday email for people. That's, like, a way I still pastor, kind of. It's, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't get rid of that muscle that, like, needs to do something on Sunday. So <laughs> I send out <laughs> – I, I have it that a, muscle, too. <laughs> yeah, right? That's why you do this podcast. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I do an email called Sunday Soul Care um, mm. where I send out a a, a little – thought and question and prayer but um but yeah also my book is on my website my little Christmas book so if this is if the listeners
0: are still listening in the Christmas season they can find it
1: they can find it on there yeah. perfect
0: we will link to all of those in the show notes as well so I have two final questions for you one we ask all of our guests this and you can interpret it however you want in the context of the conversation we've had or you can go a totally different direction. There is freedom here. Okay. What do you wish everyone knew? I wish
1: everyone knew how to genuinely apologize and how to genuinely forgive. Mm. I think most relationships that aren't resolved are due to a lack of people having never developed the muscles to actually listen long enough to empathize with someone and hear them to understand, Oh, I see now how I could have hurt you. I'm sorry. Mm. And for the other person to say, I see how you could have misunderstood me. I forgive you.
0: Yeah. So the final question, and you can decline if you wish, would you be willing to pray for us? Oh, for sure. I would love that. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, I will I will preface this by saying I pray for anybody listening. If you are a Christian, if you're a misfit, if you're not, um, I, I wish you all of the best things. (laughs) So, um, God, I, first of all, I'm just super thankful for places like the internet where I get to meet people and connect and that we get to talk about you and things that are, um, So near and dear to our hearts, but so hard to find people, especially in a season like this one. So, I want to pray for anybody who feels like they're a misfit, who's been hurt by the church, who knows what it's like to feel rejected, who knows what it's like to feel overlooked and ignored and avoided. Um, For people who've experienced trauma and abuse in the church. I pray that you would reveal yourself to every one of these people listening as a kind and compassionate friend and not someone who is looking at them with a clipboard and a scowl on your face waiting for them to get it right. Um, I pray that people uh, would be able to, that you would give us the courage to step into our own issues and to be willing to face them, um, that you provide ways for people to afford therapy if they need it, Mm. but they can't afford it. Um, and I pray that you would just allow us, um, it's not, I love that you don't just tolerate that we need healing, but you, are eager to be in that process with us because you love us and you love knowing all the things about us and you want to know us and all the, all the people who have rejected us, Lord, you are not one of them. You have not rejected us, but you've been there every time we've been rejected. And um, yeah, I just pray that you would um, help all my misfit friends in the world to um, know that they're loved Know that they don't have to fit in to belong. Know that they are, that you've made them that way on purpose and that the church is not complete without them, that they have a vital role to play and that you would just um, lead them on a path towards healing and belonging and finding who they really are in you. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Y'all, is Joy Vetterlein not the best? Make sure to check out her book, Misfits Around the Manger, and connect with her on Instagram and at Joyvetterline.com. That's V-E-T-T-E-R-L-E-I-N. If we haven't connected there as well, I am on Instagram too. I am at Katie Axelson, A-X-E-L-S-O-N. If you feel like a Christian misfit, please know that you are not alone. That The Lord is meeting you where you are, and we are standing with you. If this episode resonated with you, Share it with a friend. Maybe another friend who you think might feel like a misfit. There's no shame in being a Christian misfit. There are a nice collection of us here on this island of misfit toys. At Have Hope Will Travel, we would appreciate it if you left a rating, left a review, share the podcast with a friend. We will see you again on December 21st. We talk about spiritual healing just in time for Christmas. As always, my friends, be blessed, know that you are loved, and know that you matter.